morning. I'm married to Stu. I have two gorgeous, energetic little boys, Levi and Asha. Um, and I look after in church uh, kids and young people and events and anything else really that isn't taken by someone else. So uh, it is my privilege and my pleasure to speak at the baptism meeting this morning. Um, Dave and Haley, Dan and Joel, I prepared this with you guys in mind, but I'm allowing everybody else to listen in. So I prepared this thinking about what it means to be baptized and when you make that decision, when you love Jesus and you make these big decisions to follow him. So I prepared this for you guys, uh, but I will allow everybody else to hear, all right? If you brought your Bible with you, you can get it out. If you haven't, don't worry, I'm going to read mine to you, so please don't worry. Um, We've lived in several different places, Stuart and I. The first uh, place we lived together was in St. Neots in Cambridgeshire, and um, we had a flat there first. It was our first, you know, your first home. You, oh, you just love your first home, don't you? If I went and looked at it now, I'd be like, as if I would live in that. Like it had these heaters that just blew out of the wall, like little hair dryers in a room that, you know, you'd hear it go, and this kind of like gust of air would blow out. And it was just, yeah, and it was, it was, the person above us loves Celine Dion, so she always had Celine Dion music blaring out. I won't say what the people below us loved, but it was noisy, and so um, it was an interesting, you know, to be sandwiched in between, to be honest. So it's our first flat. Our second house we moved into, and I was adamant, because we lived in this flat, and it was quite dark, and, and it was difficult to get to know your neighbours. I didn't know if I wanted to know the ones below us, to be honest, um, and the ones above us, the Celine Dion fan, I was like, oh, I don't know, um, but we didn't see them. We lived there for two years. We never saw them, never saw it. We had names for them. I won't tell you their names either. Um, we had names for them, but we never saw them. Um, when we moved into our house, I said to Stuart, I want to know our neighbours. I want to have them round. I want us to be friends. So I'm going to go and introduce us to our neighbours as soon as we move in. So we met our neighbours on both sides and the ones around us. And I was, I was very keen to make sure they knew us and we knew them. So at some point while we were living there, my brother Neil came to live with us. And those of you who've met Neil will know that he has lived with us over the years uh, many times. Uh, This was one of the times. And um, he came to live with us. And I came home from work one day and he was a bus driver at the time. And um, he said to me, oh, I've met your neighbours, Jan and Brian. And I said, no, you haven't. You've met my neighbours, Pam and Brian. He said, no, I haven't. I've met your neighbours, Jan and Brian. So I said, because I'm the oldest sister, and, you know, well, I'm the eldest in the family, and sometimes the eldest, there's a little air of superiority around you. And, and obviously, most of what I say is right. So I said, we have lived here for three years. You have been here three minutes. I have had them round. We have been into their house. They are called Pam and Brian. So he was like, whatever, Mel, like, just carried on. The next day, they were out in their garden, and I thought, I'm just going to double-check this. So I said to Pam, I said, my brother's moved in, and he thinks your name's Jan. And there was a, a pause that must have lasted what felt like a lifetime, where she said, actually, my name is Jan. And I was like... 
I was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry I have called you Pam for three years. You've been in our house, I've been in your house. Oh, I'm so sorry. Then in the evening, I had the absolutely mortifying moment where I had to say still, uh, by the way, our neighbours are called Jenna Ryan, uh, and just get over it. Um, your name is about the sweetest sound you'll ever hear. Get it right, and you see on people's faces and their countenance change. So try it out. When you come into church next week, try it out. Walk up to someone and say, hi, Abby, how are you? How's your week been? How's Tyler? How's Johnny? Try it out. And you watch people smile. You watch people eyes open and and their countenance shift because what it does to us is it tells us that we're known. It tells us that someone has bothered enough to remember my name and enough to remember a little bit about my family. It tells us that in a room, in a crowd, I am not just one of many, I'm a person. And I have about me a name and something that people want to get to know and want to be involved with. Try it at work on Monday. Try it in the school playground. Wander up to someone. Try and get their names right, obviously. Don't, you know, be like me. Um, Try and get their names right and try and remember people's names. It does something to us when we feel like we're known. The opposite is true when we feel like we're not known. When we go into a place and no one speaks to us and no one seems to even care that we're there. If you go onto the school playground into a toddler group, into a new workplace where where you walk in and you think, no one knows me. And you have this horrible moment where you need to find a chair or find something to do. Kids are brilliant for that. They've always got a dirty face or something that you need to occupy yourself with so that you're not standing there on your own. I I used to, before I had kids, kind of reorganise my bag. You know, if I was in a place, I would go, oh, I just... And look very seriously at what I was doing in my bag. When we're known, it does something to us. It changes us. It makes us smile, makes us stand up, makes us feel like we belong. We are hardwired like that. We are built to operate in a certain way. We're built to operate as being known. And, and, and I don't know how you came here this morning. I don't know if you came here feeling like I belong. I found my place. I know who I am. I'm settled in myself. Or I don't know if you came here thinking, to be honest, I'm not sure if this church is right for me. I'm not sure what I'm doing is right for me. I'm not really sure where I'm at. I think wherever you are at, what you need to know this morning is you are known by God always. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. You are known. It's the one thing I think as a Christian that you can wear around your neck and you can wear it with everything. Obviously, as women, there are really good accessories that you have. There are things that you can wear that just work and they work with everything. Being known works with everything. Being known by God works with everything. It's kind of like... For the Christian, a sign that you can wear, just make sure my hair looks good, (laughs) around your neck, and you can wear it everywhere, and it can go with everything. And what it says about me is that I am known, and not just I'm known here and you know my name, or in my workplace I'm known because I do a good job or I, I get promotions, 
or I'm known because I drive the nice car, I wear the nice clothes, or my kids are all immaculately behaved, I'm known for me. I'm known for who I am. I'm known intrinsically. It's how we're hardwired. It's how God has made us. It's the question, I think, it's the answer to every question we have. Where do I fit? Who am I? The, The answer is you are known. You are known by God. You are seen by God. Not for what we do, because actually a lot of the time, when you meet someone, it's about the second question you ask. You say, hi, I'm Dan, I'm Mel, what do you do? It's about the second question you ask of someone once you know their name. What do you do? Oh, you're a school teacher, are you? Oh, you're a mummy. Oh, and then you make judgments based on that. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Or, or, oh, that surprises me. Or, you know, just, it's all going on in your head. It's about the second thing we ask people when we meet them. But if we're honest, we don't want to be known for what we do because that changes. Your job changes. Things change. You might retire. You might become a mummy. You might lose your job. You might amass great wealth and then suddenly it's all gone. That's not a sign you wear around your neck permanently. That's something that comes and goes. To be known, to be known by God is something permanent that stays So we want to be known, not for title, role, or responsibility, but for who we are. I, I sometimes hear, like, my boys will be like, Mummy, 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 Mummy. She'll be like, Mel, where's this? Mel, where's that? Sometimes I just want to, it all to go quiet and be like, actually, I am me. I'm not mummy, wife, church work. I'm, I'm not all these things. I'm me. And in all of those places, I function and I operate, but I am me. And not for the way we look, because let's be honest, that changes. Who looks back at the photos from 10 years ago and says, man, I look exactly the same. (laughs) Check me out. Who looks back prior to having (laughs) David Bowen? (laughs) Who looks back prior to having kids and says, I look exactly the same. I popped out three kids and look at me. I look exactly the same. I have not altered Who looks at their hair and says that has never changed? I've always had this amount of hair. It's always been this color. It's never altered. For the way we look, the way we speak, the way we act, that changes all the time. What doesn't alter is that we are known. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Psalm 139. And I'm just going to read the first few verses of this. It says... Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my every thought when far away. You chart a path ahead of me and you tell me where to stop and where to rest. Every moment you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You both precede me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me and too great for me to know. Oh Lord, you know me. You know everything about me. If you ever find yourself in a place where you think to yourself, I'm not known here. You are wrong. You are always known wherever you find yourself, whatever you're doing. You are always known by the one who knows all things. Always. You're always seen. 
The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He knows the houses that you live in and the ones you will live in. He knows how many children will fill your home. He knows the workplaces, the people, the things that you will do, the failings you will have and the successes you will have, the tears you will cry and the laughs you will laugh. He knows them all because he knows everything. If you read through a gospel, which is a book that contains the stories of Jesus, you will see that Jesus is just like this. Jesus is just like his dad in heaven. He knows everything. He knows everyone. So if you turn with me, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to look at Mark. And I'm going to show you a few people that Jesus knew. I've momentarily lost Mark in my Bible which is worrying because it is my most favorite book. Mark 1, 16 to 20, says this. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them. He said, come and be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets up once, and they went with him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James, and John in a boat mending their nets. And he called to them too, and immediately they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and they went to him. Jesus walked around calling out people's names, saying, Peter, I will have you. John, I will have you. Andrew, I will have you. Come with me. There was something about the way that he called people's names that just made them come. It was like his voice was irresistible. It was like his knowledge of people was just too much. It it, it was like, I know the point when God called my name and said, you're to come now. I, I couldn't say no. We call that irresistible grace is something of the call of God that says you come now and you just come. So some people, when they say they've become a Christian, they say, I found Jesus. Technically, that is not true. He found you, called you, gave you the faith. I know what you're trying to say, and I I say it as well. I did find Jesus, but he found me. He called me, and he called me in such a way that I came. So when Dan became a Christian, when Dave became a Christian, when Haley became a Christian, when Joel became a Christian, it is because God said, come now. It's not because a clever preacher stood up and brought a clever message that they thought, oh, now that has convinced me. That might have helped, but actually the call of God is him saying to you, you come now and you getting up and you following. This happened all the time when Jesus was walking around. He'd say, Levi, Matthew, come now. And they would literally just get up, leave their jobs and follow him. It's the call of God on our lives that makes us pray a prayer and say we want to follow Jesus and get in a hot tub in a youth center in Sutton Coalfield and get a freezing cold one. Could have been worse. Could have been the little duck pond down the end. All right. If we hadn't had a hot tub, could have been worse. And get in there in front of everyone and say, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I love him. I want to know him more. So I'm going down and I'm going up. It is what makes us do those kinds of things. If you turn to Mark 2, just, just in case you don't believe me that Jesus calls people by name, I'm just going to show you a few more. If you turn to Mark 2, 13 to 17. 
Then Jesus went out onto the lake shore again and he taught the crowds that gathered around him. He walked along and he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. He said, come be my disciple. So Levi got up and followed him. That night, Jesus, uh, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to be dinner guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. There were many people of this kind among the crowds that followed Jesus. But when some of the teachers of the religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with people like that, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Jesus heard this and he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call sinners, not those who are already thinking they're good enough. He called Levi. He knew Levi's name. He said to him, you come now. And then Levi said, oh, the man who knows me, come and meet all my friends. Come to my home, eat with all my friends, the man who knows me. It's what it's like, isn't it, when Jesus calls your name? You can't help yourself. You, you kind of post it on Facebook and you let everyone know. And you say, by the way, this has happened to me. Because you're like, the man who knows everything knows me. Maybe he might want to know you and you and you. It, it's kind of a, a natural response, really. Look at Jesus' own baptism. So this was probably the bit in the Bible that I suggested to Dan that he had a read of. Uh, when Jesus himself got baptized. So, so turn to Matthew 3. Uh, 13 to 17. It says here, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. I bet that was cold. I bet it was dirty in there. But John didn't want to baptize him. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it must be done because you must do everything that is right. So then Jesus baptized him after his baptism. So this is the Lord Almighty, the Messiah, down and up in the Jordan. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the waters... Heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven, here it is again, this is my beloved son and I am fully pleased with him. So this is God again in a very public setting saying, I know him, he's mine. That's what happens I think in baptism is that when you go up and when you go down and when you come up, God, in, in the loudest voice he can muster up, says, this, see this person? They are mine. They belong to me. They are known by me. Their name is in my book. I talk about them. I see them. I know them. It, there's something in the heart of God that loves to make sure we know that we're known, that we know that we belong is something in us when we go to have kids that does the same thing, where we just want them to know that they belong, where we just want them to be a part of something, where we want them to go out into the big wide world on a foundation of you are loved, you are known. It's something of God that he wants us to step out onto a platform of you are known, you are loved. There's something in the heart of God that loves it. And then this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So this is Zacchaeus. This is found in Luke 19. Again, I've got my Bible if you haven't got one or you haven't brought it with you today. Luke 19, 1 to 10. 
I just love this story. Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business and he had become very rich. So effectively he was a thief. So he was stealing from the rich, poor anyone. He tried to get a look at Jesus but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch him from there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down for I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the crowds were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be the son of Abraham, and I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. See, Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He knew him way before he got in the tree. He knew him way before he'd run through the crowds to see him. He saw him robbing from people. He saw him sleeping in a place amassed with wealth, proud of himself, puffed up. He knew him. And it was him he called out to and he said to Zacchaeus today, I'm coming to your house. I'm eating with you. Can you imagine that? And there would have been a rumble through the crowds of what? Of all the people he could have picked. Of all the homes he could have gone to. He would have gone and sat and ate in the home of the guy who was stealing from everyone around. But isn't that just what God is like? Doesn't he choose us not because of who we are but because of who he is? Doesn't he pick us out? Not based on what we've done, not based on what our past looks like, our present looks like, but based on what, who he is and what he knows about us. Doesn't he pick us? Because actually the truth is we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and we all get drawn up into this amazing banquet with the King of Kings, that we all get drawn into this place where we're known, no matter where we've come from, what we've done or who we are, that God says, I know you. I'm bringing you now. You come. It's the most amazing thing about being saved is that it does not matter where you have been and what you have done. What matters is that you are found in Christ. That at the end of time, when everything's all wrapped up and all done and and your big house has crumbled to the ground and your car is disintegrating in some landfill somewhere and everything you have amassed wastes away, What is left is who you are. What is left when you stand before Christ is whether you know him or don't know him. What is left when you stand before Christ is what you did with the fact that you are known by God. That's all. And some of us will escape into it as if through the flames. Like like the guy on the cross next to Jesus. Man, he just got in on the skin of his teeth. Moments later, he'd have been dead. He just slid in. 
And some of us are going to stand there in glory with riches of people all around us and things we've done because we're known. Because we know that that makes a difference to our life and then we live differently. The way that Jesus knows you, he picks people out in crowds. In a room like this, he will say, I'll have you, I'll have you, I'll have you. And he'll do it by name. He'll do it in such a way that you can be left with low uncertainty that he's real. Every salvation story I've ever heard have been people saying, something happened to me. Not I saw it happen to someone else, therefore I thought I might just get in on the back of it. Something happened to me. Something happened in my heart, in my life. Something changed for me. He picks people out in crowds. He names people. So he said, Dave, I'll have you. He said, Haley, even though you are stubborn, I like women like that. I will have you. And no matter how much you resist, I will pursue you. And I, I, like that to me is incredible. He looked at Dan. He said, I will have you. I choose to know you. I choose to love you. I choose to call you for Joel. Joel's prayed a prayer maybe several times because that's what our kids do when they grow up in church. They pray that prayer several times. When I saw Joel at Catalyst, you could tell he was done. And what he's saying when he gets in there is, I am all done. This is me now. He called Joel's name, and Joel said, yes, Lord. That's what we do when he calls. He names us, and we say, yes, Lord. He speaks face to face. If you are here, sitting here, thinking, I do not know God, the way that he introduces himself to you is face to face. If you are thinking, in this crowd, how do I know God? He will come and find you. I've got to be honest, if you're sitting here today, it's because he's already onto you. It's because he already wants to know you. He calls you into him. So he says, you come follow me. He doesn't say you come follow Real Life Church or you come follow the Anglicans or the Methodists or the the whatever, the whatever. He says, this word, you read this, you follow this, you follow me. You gather together as churches. You have teaching, you have, but you are one into him. When you become a Christian, that's what happens. You are brought into Jesus Christ. It's an amazing deal. He knows all your junk better than anyone else. So when they were saying about Zacchaeus, how could he go and eat with that guy? The reason he could go and eat with that guy is because he knows all about that guy. He knows everything about us. We hide nothing. When it's time to repent and get before God, you're not telling him anything that surprises him. He's not going, oh, well, that caught me off guard. When did you do that? Was I asleep? Was I cooking breakfast? What, What happened there? How did you get away with that? That's not how it works with God. He sees everything, knows everything, and calls you anyway. If you're sitting here this morning, and you're a Christian, and you're feeling wretched, and you're thinking, I've done this, God already knows. He already has the forgiveness, the grace, and the mercy packed up, ready for you. He's saying, please ask me for it so I can just tip it on you. It's got your name on it. It's all ready, done. 
He gives value and purpose. Notice in the story, he picked out people and he said, come, follow me. And then he took them on a journey into something else. They ended up doing different things. And he causes us to be a way better version of ourselves. When you are known by God, you get to be the best that you can be. You get to be the best version of you. You get to have him enhance your life. You get to have him draw out of you all the things that are good in you and that he placed there and that he wants to bring out. And instead of feeling like, I'm not known, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, you suddenly have a voice that says, you are known, I know where you're going and I know what you're doing, follow me. That's what we get to do as a Christian. That's what Dave, Haley, Dan and Joel are saying in baptism. They're saying, I follow him, follow him. And he'll take you on a journey where you get to discover who you are in him and what it is you're supposed to be doing. If you do not know Jesus in this room, for goodness sake, know him. He is the best person I could ever introduce you to. He is worth knowing. He died to save you from yourself, from all your sin and all your shame, to bring you into a place where you can be known, loved, and taken further. If you are saved here, you need to celebrate what it means to be known. You need to live out the best version of your life, which is, I am known. Every day, I am known by the maker of heaven and earth. If you didn't get baptized today here, you should get baptized. It's another way that you can say, I am known by him. If you know there's a next step in your life, I'm not part of a life group, I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not, you should do it. And not because it's a rule, but because you are known by him, loved by him, chosen by him. And that empowers us to live better, live differently. So I'm going to ask you to stand the band if you can come and join me. We're going to invite the kids back in. We are going to celebrate this morning because we just baptised some people and because we are known. If you want to talk to me about being known, if you want to talk to me about baptism or getting some junk sorted out, please do. I will be here with kids hanging off me. So please do. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate. The kids are going to come back in. And then we're going to pray for the guys who got baptized. Kids, you are so welcome here. Come back. We're about to party. So are you ready? Are you ready to dance? Are you ready to sing?